Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are So yesterday, we had an amazing seminar, and I want to encourage the church leaderships, those that serve, whenever we uh, promote something like we had yesterday, a seminar, it's so important that you could look at your schedule. Uh, for some people, they really did have things that they had to do. Some people, they, ah, let me just not go because I'd rather just not go. Um, we really missed out on a blessing if you didn't go. Um, the president, the overseer of churches of our fellowship, uh, David Barlock, was with us. And it's very rare when he comes and he's able just to pour into our lives because of his um, busyness as he oversees a whole fellowship of churches. <clears throat> and he's traveling constantly to visit the different churches and pastors. And he was with us um, yesterday. And he was able to sheer, share uh, from the perspective of leadership and servanthood. And it really was challenging, and it was a blessing to those that went. And I'm grateful for those that went. But, but be aware of these things when we announce them, because there's something that all of us should be going to, because we say in church that as soon as the Lord calls us in, we're, we're all called to lead for him. So I, I wanted to do something um, spontaneous, uh, maybe uh, something that uh, I'm looking for some of the names that I wrote down, but, but something maybe that, that we don't do here normally. I'm going to call maybe one or two or three people, and I want them just to share from the heart what God spoke to them yesterday um, in our seminar. Would you like to hear maybe what God said uh, to some of our brothers and sisters in the seminar? Yeah. Why do I think it's important? Because as he was speaking, I said, oh, my gosh, it's, it's, I can't really touch it. I can't, you know, it was so like, amazing what he was sharing. But it's a lot of the heart of what I wanted to share with you guys today. So I'm like, oh, my God, we're in tuned. God is speaking some of the same things. So, so I would like Rudy to come up here real quick. As Rudy makes his way up here, let's just um, thank him for, for being faithful and for saying, yes, I would love to share what, what, um, what was spoken. After Rudy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call someone, someone else up. I think some of the names that I wrote down, they're, they're actually working with the kids because I saw them already today. So I'm kind of like bummed out that they're not here. So, so Rudy's going to make his, his way up here, and uh, he'll, he'll share. He's going to share what God... Um, spoke to him through the, through, the, through the seminar. Thank you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, so, no, he did not tell me ahead of time. I'm sharing. It's okay. Um, but God, um, truly, yesterday, yesterday was a blessing to be in the seminar with our, with our Bishop David Barlock. He spoke so much information, and even though he shared his notes, my actual notes were just pages and pages in digital form, which is a lot to say when you're, when you're listening to a man um, to that stature. One of the things that he really blessed us with, and Omar actually shared it this morning, was that the fact is that when we're serving the Lord is to give all in. It doesn't mean that we're just um, stating that we're going to come here. What, actually, one of the things I really do remember is him stating is that a lot of times we go, to, we go to preachings and we hear people come and receive Christ, but that's actually not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is come and give yourself to Christ. Because when you come to Christ, it means that you let go of everything of your whole being to follow Christ. And I like to state this when I talk to people about the gospel is really, I become a slave to Christ. And when we listen to the word slave, we're thinking like, no, nah, I don't want to be held by chains or anything. Yes, the gospel talks about that God releases our chains and releases us from the sins. 
But the gospel also says that we become a slave to him because we were created beings for him. We become now controlled by him. And to me, that's beautiful because what better way of me releasing all of my doubts, all of my stress and everything to a being, to a God, not just a being, a God, a father that controls my whole life and knows what's best for me. As a man, I struggle with the stress of providing for my family and thinking about my future children and my careers and everything else. And ladies, you guys probably think about the same things as men. Obviously, some of you girls are single ladies and, and you're the head of your households. We all struggle with the same thing. But what beautiful thing about the gospel is that we realize that we get to just release this to the Lord of all, of all things and he controls our lives. And that's one of the things that really impacted me yesterday with David Barlock sharing that specific thing about when we come to Christ, we're not receiving it. We're letting go of ourselves and really, truly um, just allowing him to control our lives. So that's one of the many points that he, he shared yesterday. Yeah. So thank you. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. Praise God. All right. I'm going to ask Carlos to come up here. Amen. Come on, let's get up for Carlos. Carlos was there. <clears throat> man. Yes. I love this because I didn't tell any of these people, hey, I'm going to call you up tomorrow and prepare your little notes and be ready from your heart. From my heart, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I get nervous. Okay. Um, no, I had no idea I was going to get called up, so Nigel Blanks. <laughs> uh, but one thing he did say, out of the many things he said, was um, how to be dedicated but not obsessed. And that was speaking to me because sometimes even in your, you know, you can convince yourself that you're being dedicated, but you start obsessing with... Uh, with following God and it's kind of like running away from your fears too of like uh, your relationships outside of God, you know, uh, with people. And um, that spoke to me, that spoke to me. And so uh, learning how to put those boundaries and, and uh, realizing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, you know, so. <laughs> Man, you know, sometimes we could, um we could win in what, the things that we're doing for God in, in the sense of maybe a ministry like our church or whatever, and then we lose out on our main ministry, which is, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing so great at church, let's say, but I'm doing so bad at home. And what happens is that's ministry done wrong. When the household is not in order, how do you expect to put the things of God in order? Amen? So, so, um, so that was a, a great point, as Carlos was saying. So, so uh, I, I want to get into this, and, and if you're taking notes, please write this down. And I want you to write this down, and then I want you throughout today's message, I want you to think about this as the Word of God speaks to you. And it's this question. My title, the title of today's message is a question. And it's what will you offer? What will you offer? And I, and I hope as I shared all of this, and there's some new things that I'll probably add uh, as I shared this with the men, and I shared this today with the church, I hope that we're really taking the opportunity, and, and we're not taking for granted uh, this time of prayer and fasting as we're doing this together. And one of the thoughts as I was just praying and, and seeking the Lord and, and, and putting this stuff together was this whole mindset of how many of us we can be honest with ourselves and say, I need to surrender, I need to confess, I need to repent for things that are in my life. Think about what that means. There are things in my life that I truly 
need to just confess, repent, that I truly just need to surrender. God can never use you to the ability that he wants to use you if those things are not being denied, if those things are not being fully surrendered. Do you feel me? Maybe you've sat here and you're saying, I just want God to use me. And you, and you hear the, the word of the Lord saying, I, I want to, but I need you to surrender. I need you to let go of. I need you to deny. So I want to do great things, but I need you to do something great. Did you hear that? I, I, I want to do great things, but I need you to do something great. How many of us need the Lord's direction in our lives? Maybe it's personal direction, direction in your family, careers, a relationship, friendship direction. You need direction in your life across the board and whatever it is. What is this time doing for you? What is it doing in you? And the question is, because we're going to come out of this fast on Sunday afternoon when we're done. We're going to come out of this time together and in, 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 in a way of saying we're going to come out of it officially, but hopefully we never really leave it. But how will you come out of this fast? What will you give this year as you come out of this fast? What will you leave on the floor? It's a, it's a sports term. How will you leave it all on the battlefield <clears throat> for the things of God this year? There's a scripture that I'm reminded of, and it's in the Gospels, and I picked the one out of Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and he says something that is very important, and he says this. He looks at all of them, and he says, if anyone desires to come after me, one translation or another gospel may say it this way. If anyone desires to be my follower, or another way is, if anyone desires to be my disciple. I want you to see those words that Jesus uses. If you desire to be my follower, to be my disciple, if you desire to come after me, what he says next is important. He says, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. This is a person that has truly repented and denied, has died to themselves. I, I was listening to a message this week, and, and I love one of the points in which it was saying, it was saying that many times we as Christians, we tend to put God in our plans and God in our lives. How does Jesus bet, best fit in how I do things? And the reality is, that's the, not you, I'm not picking on all of you. If you get tugged in the heart, that's between you and the Lord. But, but that's how the majority of Christians live. We are Christians and we are in Christianity. But it's Jesus, how he fits into my schedule. And it's not necessarily us fully surrendered and how we fit into his plan. Those are two different things. That's what changes someone's lifestyle immediately where they say, wait a minute, how I'm living right now is wrong. I got to make decisions to make it right. I got to do things right. Why? Because I need to deny myself and follow him. And sometimes that will cause you to do the, greatest, the craziest of things. You want to talk about some of those crazy things? It'll cause you sometimes to leave your job and trust that he'll give you another job. It'll cause you to either leave the person you're with or to finally make it right with the person you're with. I mean, think about what some of, and it's not like, well, we'll do it in the future, or I'll do it later, or I'll do it when I have more money, or I'll do it when, the, no, no, no. When the Lord touches your heart and you're fully repented and you're denying yourself, it's, 
instant, Lord, I will start living in obedience when? Tomorrow? No, now, God, to please you and to honor your heart. Amen? And that's what the Lord is calling his followers. Come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And it's guess what? It's not one time. You don't come to the altar. You don't say a little prayer. They don't rub a little something on you. And then they put you in a number tally mark and say, Woof, you accepted Jesus Christ. And the angels are revving up in heaven. They're so excited. No, the true acceptance and salvation of Jesus Christ is exactly what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It's an individual who is denying themselves and not one time or periodically but daily picking up their cross to follow Jesus how many of you are truly saved you deny yourself and follow Jesus that Jesus doesn't just fit into your agenda all of you has to fit into his plan like surrendered all right amen being challenged yet so this is the time, I believe, as we're praying and fasting, it's a time for alignment. You should write that down. A time for alignment where maybe there's some misalignment in our lives to fully fulfill God's will this year. So again, I cannot stop asking you this question. What do you have to offer? What is your gift? I hope you're writing this down. What is my gift? Put a question mark next to that and answer that if you can by the end of this message. What is your more? If you're sitting in this room and you feel in your heart, God's calling me to more than just work in the office, in the cubicle next to the person that I'm working with, saying, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir, to the boss that I answer to every single day from 8 to 6. I know that in my life there is more in my life for the kingdom of heaven and for my salvation in Jesus Christ to do on this earth. How many of you can say, that's me, I feel that way. I feel like there's more in my life. I just feel like God wants me to do something more for him. I feel like I, I just need to, ah, I, I, I just know that there is more. Here's my question. What's your more? What's your gift? So all of that is, comes to this next question. What is your risk that you have to take? That, that desire of saying, oh my God, I believe there's more. There's more. I believe that, that I have a gift to give. Amen. That's going to come with a risk. Are you willing, starting today, not next week. Don't start next Sunday. Starting today, are you willing to start taking risks? No? Are you willing to say, I'm going to do what I thought I, could, I was never going to be able to do. I'm going to do what people think that I'm crazy for doing it. Like when I left my job and I said, I'm going to challenge, I'm just going to... I believe that God's going to provide. And people looked at me and said, you're crazy. You're not family. Godly people. I remember when I left. I left Miami to go serve the Lord. And I went to Ohio to do training. And I left my church that I was so plugged in that I helped with Pastor Leo to plant and grow. And, and, and I had a, a spiritual figure, a leader in my life. Someone that I looked up to sat with me on a retreat one day. And he said, he said you, know, you know that you don't have to do what you're doing to serve the Lord. Are you really sure that you heard from God? And he began to challenge me in a negative way. And I remember I left there feeling so crushed. People didn't understand what it really meant to deny yourself to follow him. Men that I looked up to. My own family and my own pastor is, is giving me the green light to do it. And these people don't see it. And the unsaved, the people that didn't understand all this stuff, they didn't get it. So what is your risk for more? How can you set the tone this year for the rest of your life? For your family, my goodness, for your children, for your friends, for your workplace, for this house right here, for those that are still to come. How can you... How can others follow you? How can you lead? I hope you're writing some of these things down and not just staring at me. How can you take on the role as a 
Christian, as a man, as a woman, as a son, as a daughter of Christ? How can you lead in boldness, in courage, and in faithfulness? Think about all those questions. Let's get into this teaching today. But think about all that. I love this verse that I used to quote a lot. I shared with the men that when I was teaching in my classroom, I would put it on the walls. For all the years that I taught, I had this one verse blasted in my wall. So when you walked into my classroom, I taught in a Christian school. When, when you walked into my classroom, all you saw, the first thing that you saw was this verse. This verse is the first verse that you saw when you walked into my classroom. Since I was dealing with young people, I wanted them to see this verse. And it's Matthew eleven twelve. When Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. Powerful verse. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean to you? What do you get out of that? Whenever I read this, and I've read this hundreds of times maybe, every time I read it, my heart pounds. Like I, like I want to fight the devil straight up. I, I want to cast out a demon. I want to preach to the mat. Like, this verse does something to me. It's a call for, for Christians to get aggressive for the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. Why? Why should I do it? But I like the comfortability that I'm in. I like that I'm home. I like that everything around me is just perfect. I like that everything's neat and just fine, and yet I can still come to church and give my little things here and there. But that's not the call of the kingdom. The call of the kingdom is to get violent because what? Heaven is suffering violence. Heaven is being attacked. The gospel is being attacked now more than ever. Truth is being attacked now more than ever. So what, what do we do? The truth seekers and the truth finders need to be violent. And it's a lovely, lovely violence that we come forth in this world. Are you with me? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. And Jesus referring uh, to this violence, it could refer to two things. The intensity of spiritual warfare that surrounded his ministry. My ministry, man, it's being attacked left and right. Not just my ministry, but who's he speaking about here? Also, the ministry of my herald, John the Baptist. It's suffering violence. And it's time for us to take it by force. And it could also mean this true that there's an intensity that is required of us to persevere in following God. Persevere in fulfilling the will of his kingdom. And to be violent for it. Not weird. Not using social media to post all your little emotions. No. Violent. Washing people's feet. Serving them when no one can see you. Not that you're doing it. You take a picture. You post it. Look guys. Today I did a good deed for Jesus. How about the things that no one can see? The way you serve the world. The way you serve people. Taking it. Violent. D.A. Carson shares this quote. I want to share with you. He said this, and it, and it, and it most likely gives a, the best sense of these, these ideas of what I just shared and when Jesus mentions this verse. And I love what D.A. Carson says. I'm going to quote him. He says, The kingdom has come with holy power and magnificent energy that has been pushing back the frontiers of darkness. This is especially manifest in Jesus' miracles and ties in with Jesus' response to the Baptist, John that is. The kingdom, everyone say the kingdom. Yes, it is making great strides now. Everyone say now. Yeah, is the time for courageous souls, forceful people to take hold of it. 
The English theologian Matthew Poole says this, the kingdom will never be received passively. It's always founded on God's work on our behalf, but God's work will always produce a purpose in us. They are not lazy wishes or wishes or cold endeavors that will bring men to heaven. And then the great Charles Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers, he says something real unique, real interesting, pretty long. See if you could just stay with me for a moment. Frequently complaints, he says, are made and surprise expressed by individuals who have never found a blessing rest upon anything that they've attempted to do in the service of God. I have been a Sunday school teacher for years, says one, and I've never seen any of my girls or boys converted. No. And the reason most likely is you've never been violent about it. You've never been compelled by the divine spirit to make up your mind that converted they should be. And no stone should be left unturned, unturned until they were. You have never been brought by the spirit to such passion that you have said, I cannot live unless God bless me. I cannot exist until I see some of these children saved. Then falling on your knees in agony of prayer, putting forth afterwards your trust with the same intensity towards heaven you would never have been disappointed for the violent take it by force. It's a good quote. I wish I would have said that. What will you offer this year? What will you offer? What's your gift? What's that thing that God gave you? That this year you could say, I'm going to fulfill the will of the Lord this year in my life. I'm going to deny myself. The first thing I want you to know is this. Write this down in your notes. It's challenge. It's going to start. And the only way it's going to start is by this. It's by challenging your fear. Start to challenge your fears. Can we be very honest? How many people in this room have fears in their lives? Just fears. Thank you for your honesty. I have fears that I struggle with. Fears that lead to anxieties. Anxieties that then cripple me. Cripple me that then can't function into what God's calling me to do. Fears that lead me to anxiety, anxiety that cripples me, cripples me that then I can't function to what God's called me to do. I mean, I can say that over and over. But that statement, that right there, is so true in my life. And I know it's true in many of your lives. Challenge your fear this year. What did I say? I know some of you are like, ah, I kind of want to hide from it. No, challenge your fear this year. Don't, don't just, all right, all right, pastor, I'm going to face, I'm going to face my, my fears this year. I'm not telling you to face your fears. You know how many people face things, but then they don't really fight it? You know how many people face things, but then they run away from it? I'm not telling you to face your fears. I'm telling you to challenge. When you challenge fears, you're, you're, actually, you're actually confident that you, can, that you can have victory over it. You're, you're not going to challenge something that you, uh, there's a possibility that I may lose. You challenge that which you already know you have victory over. Ah, this guy, he's easy. I can take him out in a ring. So what am I going to do? I'm going to challenge him to a fight. And that's what you do. It'll be dumb for you to say, oh, I'm not going to challenge anyone that I know is going to destroy me. Because why? I don't want to be looked at. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want that. I don't want my kids to see it. I don't want my wife to see that, you know. I, I'm going to challenge the one uh, who I could beat. 
So I love that David was so confident that he could look at Goliath and the world says, no way, he's the champion. He's the UFC champion. He's beat people by submission. He, you, you're, David, you're too small, muscle-wise, technique-wise. You've never fought. This is your first fight in the ring. Goliath's undefeated. I don't think you have a chance against Goliath. David was so confident that he walked up to him and he, what, he challenged him to the point where he prophesied what was going to happen. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not just going to fight you today. Today, the Lord's going to give me your head. I mean, I want you to think about that. David, so scrawny, so little, so petite next to this giant, so unskilled, and, and yet his resume didn't live up to the challenge of his resume, still looks at Goliath and says, hey, I'm not just going to face you. Come on, bring it on. When you challenge your fear, you're not facing it, but you're telling it, come on, I'm going to put you in submission. Bring your fears into submission. Challenge your fears this year. We see in Scripture something very important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chew on this a little bit. And it's a, it's, a mess, it's, a, it's a letter in which Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy. Timothy is a student, is a spiritual son of Paul. Timothy is a pastor who is sent out by Paul to pastor a church. And Paul is going to write to Timothy a letter. And it's a letter that is meant to encourage him in his calling... And it's a letter that is meant to encourage him to continue to use his gift. Why would Paul write Timothy a letter to continue in his calling and encourage him to use his gift? Well, the only reason I could see it as I read through this text is because Timothy got to a point where the fears were overcoming his life. And he no longer was operating in boldness and in courage, fulfilling the will of God fully, but he was operating from a place of fear. And his daddy in the spiritual realm, <laughs> Paul says, Hey, son, hey, Tim, I'm writing this to you so that you could be encouraged as your spiritual leader. I'm writing this to tell you that there's a gift in you. And hopefully, all of you see me or hear, hopefully, you see me as your pastor. And I'm telling you that there's a gift in you. <laughs> That there's something in you that you could give for the kingdom of heaven. That do you believe that for yourself? That there is something that, that you can do. There is more in you. So look what Paul writes as he writes to Timothy. I think it's a beautiful letter. I love, as I was sharing this on Wednesday, I love that a letter is given to us to read. Because I like that. I'm nosy like that. Like my wife better not leave an old box there with all her old letters. Because I'm going to go in and I like to read the letters. So what I like is, is that Paul writes a letter to Timothy and the Lord allows it to be in the Bible so that we then could read this interaction between Paul and Timothy and yet there's truth to it, soundness to it. And it's the word of God today that we preach. We're preaching from a letter from Paul given to Timothy. I just think it's God's mind is amazing. Let's read a piece of it. So Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. You're there, you're there with me? Hopefully you have your Bible open. If not, you can look up here on the screen. If not on your smart device. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Look what he says. He says, Timothy. It's written to him. Dear Timothy, I thank God for you, the God that I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day. I constantly remember you in all my prayers. Amen. Verse 4. I long to see you again. For I remember very important scripture here, very important detail here in this passage. I remember your tears as we parted. Remember what I said on Wednesday for you guys that were here and, and for, for all of you now? Like, 
if a letter's being written and then it's going to be passed down 2,000 years later and so on and so forth, and it's never going to, it's infallible and errant, and here it is, it's not, nothing's going to ever take it away, his word is going to remain forever. Please don't write down that I cried. There's so many things that you could write about me. Like, like I hope if you write a letter about me, it's like, oh, Rigo, he just cried. I'm like, oh my God, that's the only thing that you write. And it's in the Bible now. And the churches are going to talk about that for centuries. That I cried. Imagine their conversation in heaven. When Tim met Paul in heaven. Paul! For the ages, they're going to read that letter. And you told everyone that I cried. I'm, a, I'm supposed to be a man. Why'd you do that? But Paul says, I remember your tears when we left each other. That's very important. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I think you see why Paul's writing this. Verse 5. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now, or I, and I know, that same faith continues strong in you. Do you see what Paul is telling him? Don't talk about my mama. And don't you dare talk about my grandmother. He takes them back to the generations. He says, your grandmother had faith. Your mother had faith. And now you, it's the same faith that's in you. I know, Tim. I know you have that faith in you. I want you to pause as we just finish reading those few verses there. We'll, we'll read the last couple ones there. But I want you to pause here for a moment in this letter. What is Paul telling Timothy? He, he's telling Timothy, this young pastor who Paul sent out to pastor, who's now struggling, which I believe, according to the context that we have here, you'll see what I'm talking about in verse 6 and 7, I believe it's fear. And Timothy is bedridden with fear. And Timothy receives a letter from Paul. And he's, he's, with, he's, he's filled with fear in his heart. He's filled with fear in his spirit. And as he's reading the letter, what is Paul telling Timothy in his letter? Paul is telling Timothy, you have not been forgotten, Timothy. You're on my prayer list. He says, I pray for you daily. Day and night, actually, he says. Like some of you guys, I, 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 miss, I miss it. I, maybe I prayed for you once a week. Maybe I, some of you are like every day. But Paul was like, night and day I'm praying. Timothy, you are constantly on my heart. You're on my prayer list. I said this. I said, man, what an amazing prayer list to be on, on Paul's prayer list. You're not alone. You're part of something greater. Yes, it's away from you, but it's something greater than you. And I'm there. I'm over there. Though you can't see me, know your brother, Paul, the one who loves you, who sent you out to fulfill the will of God in your life. I'm there making supplications on your behalf. I'm there. I'm fighting for you. It's, it's what we believe in, right? We make war. Let's battle together. And that's what Paul is saying. I, and then he says, I long to see you, is what he's telling him. I, and then he, he says, I, I still remember when you left, how you cried. He said, I miss you, man. It's a brother writing to a brother, I miss you. I still remember when you cried on my shoulder. And Timothy's reading that, and he's probably crying as he's reading that. I know, I remember too. <laughs> it's interesting that Paul would write that. It's interesting. But I remember all these things. I remember when you went through all this and you left. Like, I can fast forward for a moment, but why do you think that Timothy was crying on Paul's shoulder? What, what do you think was really going on there? I long to see you. I remember all these things. I, I encourage you today 
as you read this letter, Timothy, that I remember your genuine faith. I remember that you are a faithful man. You may think, Timothy, that you have lost it. You may think that you can't handle it. You can't handle where you're at. Some of you might be here today, and as you're here today, you feel, come on, I'm being very honest, seriously loving today. You feel that where you're at right now, I just can't handle where I'm at. And Paul is there, and Paul tells Timothy, you feel like you're lost, you're alone, you can't handle where you're at. You can't handle what God has called you to. You may think that this was too much of a risk, Timothy, and that now you live in failure. That's what he's saying through this letter. But, everyone say but. Yeah, I remember your genuine faith. And I know that that same faith, it continues strong in you. Like, really think about that for a moment. You've lost it. You feel this way. But I know that there's still faith in you. And I know it continues strong with you. Timothy, Timothy, I'm going to tell you something in this letter. And this is the moment, this is the moment, as Paul is writing all this, when you're walking with Christ, that now you enter and you challenge your fear. And Timothy, welcome to the calling. In this call, you're going to have to challenge those fears. I want to say this with full assurance as I felt it in my heart during this prayer and fast season that we're in. And I hope you take this for what it is. But church, this is our moment. This is your moment. This is our moment. And you may say, well, I don't have the tools and I don't have the ability. I haven't studied for this or I haven't been prepared for this or I've never learned these things. And I'm telling you today, now it's your moment. And you're like, I just don't think. I'm, I'm unqualified. Well, let's keep reading the text then. Verse 6 says this, as Paul writes to Timothy. Remember verse 5? He starts, he, starts, he starts to tell him that I, I, I know you have a genuine faith and that genuine faith continues strong in you. He doesn't stop there. But Paul says in verse 6, listen to this. This is why I remind you. Remember, he's talking about the faith that is continually strong in him. And then he jumps to his next point and he says, this is why I remind you. And what is he going to remind Timothy in? Fan the flames of the spiritual gift that God has given you when I laid hands on you. What does Paul tell Timothy? Another translation says it this way, to stir up the gift, the New King James ESV says. Stir up the gift of which God, the gift of God which is in you. Stir up those gifts. And, and I believe that as I read this, as it speaks to Timothy and Paul writes to him, I said, oh my God, that's where I feel Nest Church is at. I believe that this is a gifted church. And I believe that this is a gifted family. And I believe that this family has a lot to offer. And I believe that, that maybe there's people that have been sitting down that, that it's going to be time that I'm going to preach to them in the middle of prayer and fast and say, hey, get up from the bench. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that we all have something to offer. How many of you could say amen? And I believe that we all have a gift that is given by our creator as Timothy is being reminded of this from Paul. I do believe that, yes, in these gifts, they're not all the same. As Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy's gift is not the same as Paul's. I do believe that 
our gifts are not all the same. But what, what I love about this is that they're different. And in our differences of gifts, we will magnify. We will magnify God's uniqueness, magnify his creativeness, magnify the magnitude of who God is in all of our differences. And I want you to know this and write this down. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to be riskful. I'm going to challenge my fears. I have a lot to offer. Ready? I wrote this down in my notes in bold letters because I mean this more than anything. It can be or it will be scary. When you truly begin to deny yourself for the Lord, when you truly begin to deny yourself and pick up the cross daily and follow him, you'll start to realize, whoa, my life is scary. <laughs> my life's on the line every day. Like there are some, but then, but, but, but the beauty of that is the thrill of that keeps you going like, my God, but I, we're doing this for the kingdom of heaven. I'm being violent for it. So write this down. It can be or it will be scary. This is ways that it could be scary. I mean, I can give you a list, but real quick. It can call you to the unknown. It could lead you to other things that you could have never imagined. When you truly answer the call and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get uncomfortable and really just offer this unto you. But I promise you, please listen to this, Nest. I promise you that you will one day be on your deathbed and you will never regret it. And if you are ever asked that question, this is how you would answer it. You would say this, I would do it all over again for Christ and for his kingdom. I was more alive in Christ when I truly, when I truly became dead to myself. I love that I said that and then Pastor David Barlock yesterday said the same thing. He said, you know, church, listen. God's calling you for more and God's calling this church and God's calling you in your gift to do so much for the Lord. And, and he said something so powerful because of his years in ministry and his years working with pastors. He says, the greatest or the, the scariest thing that's going to happen in people's lives is this. When they're in their deathbed. And he says, he's looked at people that have said this to him. And they look at him and said, I, I wish... I wish I could have done more. But now, they're dying. And they can't go back and pick up time. And they can't go back and pick up their gift or their calling. They can't go back and pick up what God had given them. They're in their deathbed, and this is how they die. What a sad place to die. What a sad statement to die with. I wish I could have done more. You may sit here and say, hmm, I'm going to defend that biblically. You can't. Because Paul says what? I give myself as a drink offering. Paul says before he even dies, he knew, I finished the race. I fought the fight. When Paul was on his deathbed, he didn't say, I wish I could have done more. He says, my God, I gave it all I had. When you die, I don't know when that's going to be. I know someone that does know. I'm speaking for myself. I know, why are you talking about that stuff in church? Because God knows when I'm going to die. He knows the exact date. But when I die on my deathbed, what a scary place to be to say I could have done more. And you can't go back and you can't do anything about it. I promise you, when you do this, when you offer it all, you'll never regret it. But you will say, I'll do it again. I don't know if you're not understanding or if I'm being mean. I'm trying not to be mean, I promise you. All right. Everyone say no excuse. I mean, you said it. You could have just stayed quiet and not said it. No excuse.
Verse 6. Verse 6 says what? This is why I remind you to stir up the gift that God has given you. Like seriously, I would ask every single one of you to stand up and say, if you believe that God has given you a gift, I'm wondering if every single one of us would stand up. And Paul says, I'm reminding you to stir up the gift, to fan the flame of the gifts that God's given you, the gifts of God which were, which, which were given to you when I laid hands on you. And, and I say, man, challenge your fear. Bring it to submission. Fan the flame. Stir up your gifts. Look at verse 7. <laughs> Love verse 7. Here it is. Ready? Challenge, everyone say, challenge your fear. Okay. Verse 7. For g- Stir your gifts. Stir your gifts. Everyone say stir your gifts. Stir your gifts. Say it one more time. One more time. Again. Man, you're very, you're very low today. I think it's because, I don't know. Here you go. Stir your gifts. What is he going to say next in his letter? For God, why should I stir my gift? How can I use my gift? I don't know if I should use my gift. I don't know if I'm ready to use my gift. I don't know if people are going to accept it. I don't know if it's going to make any impact. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know if I, if I have the talent, the tool, the ability. I don't know if I should use my For God has not given you a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, of self-discipline, a sound mind. The new King James says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and of a sound mind. Think about what that statement means. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. How many of you have fears in your life? Amen. Here's my point. Ready? It's not from God. Our fears in our lives are not from God. And Paul saw the timidity and the fear that was in Timothy, which is why he wrote this letter. And Timothy knew the fear that he felt. And God wanted Timothy to know that his fear wasn't from him. It's not from the God you serve, Timothy. And, and he needed to know that God has not given him a spirit of fear. And we all face situations. Situations that we could fear. We, we may fear public speaking. You may fear coming up. And for, I don't know what you fear. You may fear all kinds of things. Afraid of rejection. Or, or whatever it is. You have your fears. But I want to make sure you know this. The first step in dealing with such fears, write this down. The first step in dealing with my fears is this. It's to understand that they're not from God. My fears are not from God. And this is significant. This is important for us to understand. This isn't God making me feel this way. God hasn't given me this. Perhaps it's, it's my flesh. It's, it's my flesh that has risen up. It's my personality and what I'm falling into. It's the weakness. Perhaps it could be a demonic attack. But whatever it is, it's not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But scripture is very important to tell us what he's given us. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Amen. I'm, uh, come on, what do you have to offer? Answer that. And if fear rises up, guess what? God gave you a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. Challenge that fear. Okay, so the second step, first step, understand it's not from God. Second step, in dealing with fears, it's understand, understand what God has already given you. And what he's given you is exactly in this verse. It's what I just said. Power, spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So when you wake up, so when the fear rises... When God calls you now to do what he's called you to do, this is what you say. He's given me the spirit of power. He's given me the spirit of love. He's given me a sound mind to operate soundly into the things that he's called me to do. A spirit of power that when you do his work, when you proclaim his word, 
When you, when you come and you represent or present his kingdom, you have, the, you have his power and it supports you. It holds you together. You are safe in God's hands in whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Even if it sounds crazy, take the risk. Man, you're in God's hands. Amen? God's given us a spirit of love. And this tells us a lot about the power that he's given us. Power is not what a lot of people think in this world, right, which is controlling people. Oh, man, if controlling others, that's true power. But Jesus' power is expressed so differently in how he loves and serves others. I'll give you a perfect example. In John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is about to go to the cross. It's the night before he is crucified. Knowing the night before he's crucified, God the Father has given me everything in my hands. All power and authority has been given to me. Jesus says that with his own words. All power and authority has been given to me. What does Jesus do on the last night knowing that all power and authority has been given to him? What does he do with that power? Does anyone know? He doesn't preach. He doesn't say, everyone, get on. Like, it's amazing what the heart of God does. It's, 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 having a spirit of, it's having a spirit of love and a sound mind. It's having a spirit of true power. You know what he does? This is what he does. He humbly gets on, his, on the floor and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. The last act that he does before he falls, crucified on the cross. People say, that's a weak Messiah. That's a weak Savior. And I say, no, no, no. That's a powerful man. That when all power and authority was given in his hands, he decided to operate with true power and love. And he washed the sinner's feet. What do you have to give, church? God gave us a sound mind. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a sound mind. I pray that you start praying for a sound mind. That word in the Greek, it speaks of having a calm mind. I think 2020 to 20 present has revealed that some of our minds are not calm at all. That we listen more to what the TV and the media says than we do what the Word of God says. And our mind is all over the place. And the last thing that we have is calmness in our minds. And we have all these fears and we do what they say and we do what they do and we tell them what they and we, and, and we don't even know where we stand anymore. Whatever they tell me to do, I'll just do it because I'm just so lost and I have no sound mind. I have no knowledge, I have no understanding, I have no wisdom for myself. I've lost all the ability to have a sound mind. And here's Paul, and he says, you've been given the spirit of a sound mind. I'm telling you, church, that you have a calm and self-controlled mind is what God's called you to have. What is that in contrast with? What is that coming against? What is that in wrestling against? It's against the panic and the confusion that comes from fearful situations, from fearful circumstances. So all you've experienced and all you're experiencing is panic and confusion. I'm here to tell you that you're called and you are made with a sound mind to come against the panic and the confusion. Stop panicking. Stop being confused and begin to bring all that into submission and say, come on, challenge this. I'm going to challenge this fear. Like truly be who you're called to be. And don't just be pushed away by what everyone and anything says. Man, get rooted and know, you know what? I have a sound mind. I'm calm. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to be confused. I know that the Lord holds me together in his hands. Amen? Amen? So with all of this said, and I say, what will you offer? I leave you with, I leave you with, not leave you, but I give you this point. I want you to take on the risk, church. 
And I believe the Lord is telling us that, telling me that, telling you this. Take on the risk. What do you want me to do? You have to really pray that with the Lord. Come before him. You have an amazing week left of prayer and fasting. Maybe you're like, you know what? I haven't really fasted. I haven't really prayed this last week. But you know what? I'm going to go in this week. Then amen. Join us. You're not too late. Don't think that you're too late to start. At least you started. Even if it's on the last day, start. Don't be like, well, you know what? You guys started last week. I might as well just continue to eat. I might as well continue to watch. I might as well continue to do. I'm telling you, come on, become alive. Find what you can do. Risk. It's a risk that can push you forward to the greater and whatever that can look like. In verse 4, Paul tells Timothy, here's the, 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 the verse I told you. I long to see you again. And I, and I remember, Timothy, the tears that when we parted. I remember those tears. And, and I can't wait to see you again. I'm going to be filled with joy when I see you. And why does Paul tell him, I remember your tears? I believe that Paul tells Timothy, I remember your, fear, your tears, is because when Timothy was leaving Paul, Timothy was dealing with, oh my God, I'm taking such a risk. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving you, Paul. And I'm going to go serve God over here across the wall. Like, I don't know. And he cries. I believe his tears was one of, wow, I'm, I'm going to take a huge risk here. And Paul saw that. And Paul saw that faith that he had with his tears that he was still going to go with it. I remember when I was called to leave Miami. I was, what, 25-ish years old or something like that? And, 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 I, and I had a girlfriend at the time that, you know what? I kind of want to marry this girl. I, I did. <laughs> but I kind of want to marry this girl. And, and, and then I had a youth ministry that I ran and had a church that I helped with Pastor Leo helped um, um, from the ground up planted and I was there alongside him and I was working in the church working hard and I was going to school and I, was, I became a teacher and, and I had my little comfortable life here in Miami and then the Lord tugged at me one day as I was crying after second grade teaching I looked at myself in the bathroom you know this story and I cried I said what am I doing with my life and right there I felt the Lord saying now surrender it give it up I called a meeting for my pastors and I said I'm done I'm done with my life I'm leaving Miami and if it means I'll never come back here again I'm willing to go to the end of the earth if it means serving the Lord I'm ready and I cried that day like I to this day like I've never cried mucus coming out I couldn't even talk they actually thought when I went to the meeting what was wrong with you because I was I was shivering because I couldn't get the words out because I knew the risk I was taking and I left to Ohio with the mindset of I'm never coming back to Miami. From there, they're going to send me wherever they want. There's so many stories that I could tell you that led me back to Miami. And I came back, God's grace, God's sovereignty, he brought me back over here. But I remember the tears of taking a risk. And I know exactly what Timothy went through. And I'm asking you today, what's your risk? What's your risk that God wants to see if you're willing to take it so you can fulfill the calling in your life? How many of you know already what it is as I'm speaking? And it's time. Come on, schedule a meeting. We don't have to sit down. We don't have to have coffee. I will call you at 11 o'clock at night if you want. And we will chat from 11 to whatever time we hang up. We'll talk at night when I put the kids to bed and I have time. You ready? I'll call you at 10 o'clock at night. Let's chat. But let's have conversation. What's the risk that you're called to have? What do you got to do? We all have to take a risk. We know this truth. No risk, there's no reward. And it goes deeper goes deeper than business, career, anything else that we could talk about. When we don't take risks, we miss out on what God is doing in our lives and wants to do. We miss out on seeing God's work. Can you imagine if I would have never taken a risk? My father, I mean God's sovereignty, he probably would have still saved him. But I was able to be a tool into my own father's salvation, to my household salvation, into my marriage, into many of your lives and those that are not here in this church anymore. The things that my eyes have seen and my ears have heard, I would have thought I would have never heard them and seen them. But it started all with taking a risk, knowing that there was more in my life. 
What does it look like? Don't miss out on a testimony, on a blessing. I said this to the men. If you think about it, it's true. It is riskier not to take a risk. And I thought about all the risk takers, and I'm about to wrap this up. I thought about all the risk takers, and I shared some to the men. But I want you now to share some to me. Here are some of the risk takers. What are they? Who are some in the Bible? The reality is, if you think about it, every single character in Scripture took a risk at some point or at all points in their lives. <laughs> Go ahead, start naming some to me. Moses. Uh, James, what did Moses do? What risk did he take? What risk did he take? Yeah, right. Name me a risk or two. He left comfort. He left a palace. Listen to me. If I was Moses, you were Moses, and you live in Pharaoh's palace, and you are being, you are being fed by the spoon, and you don't want to know who you're being fed by the spoon by, with. By. Okay? And Moses has everything he has. At any time, he can say, whatever. he is a son of Pharaoh. He lives in a palace. And he heard God speak to his heart. And he says, I'm leaving the comforts of this palace. And he goes to a wilderness. Yeah. The call of God in the unknown. Yeah. Who else? Abraham. What is the risk? Left his land. My land and my father's land. The riches of my father and everything that I have. And he picks up his own family, his own goods. And he leaves to where? Uh, to, uh, no, he doesn't know. He says, I take you to a land that you do not know. Yeah. It's going to flow with milk and honey and stuff like that. You, don't know, you have no idea. Who else? Oh. Esther. Who said that? JB is so good to see you. I love you, man. Tell me. If I go see the king tonight, he could kill me. He could chop my head off and show me to the world. Hey, Esther thought she could come into my room. This Jewish girl. Like. But she took a risk. And she says, if I die, I'll die. But I'm going to do whatever I can to fulfill what God spoke into my heart. And her risk. You know what it did? It didn't just make her become the king's wife. All you Hallmark lovers. And said, it, just, it just wasn't that. My wife. But it wasn't just that. She saved the whole people. She saved herself, but she saved the Jewish people. Who else? Mary. What a risk. Mary. Joseph. Oi. Noah. Oh, Noah was one that we said. Noah. Was it 180 years? 180 years he's building an ark. Now with today's technology, in five years, uh, uh, he is responsible for the first cruise ship. He is. Go past him and see if you can find someone that is responsible for a cruise ship. It's him. And he builds it. Not for one year, ten years. I want you to know, church, that Noah built that boat, that ship, for 180 years. And for 180 years, his family thought he was crazy. His wife's like, he lost it. His, his friends and, 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 and his village and his, the people in town kept seeing the boat be built and built. And he's like, Noah! What do you do? It's going to rain. Like, there's no, what is rain? <laughs> it's this. It's water that falls. I don't know. I saw it in the vision. God told me. No, it's never rained on earth. What makes you think that out of nowhere, poof, it's going to rain? The same way, poof, out of nowhere, we're going to be gone to be with Jesus. It's not going to happen. No, it's going to happen. It's going to rain. And when he rains, I'm going to be ready. I'm, and he took a risk. Can you imagine if Noah didn't take a risk? 
What came out of Noah? I mean, man, we could, all these people led to Jesus, by the way. Who else? Who else can we think of? Paul. If Paul did Paul was a Pharisee among Pharisees, learning under the one of the most, one of the most prestigious Pharisees. His resume was, look who I learned under, Gamaliel himself. A Pharisee among Pharisees. Here I am, growing up the pharisaical ladder. And one day he has an encounter with Jesus. He confronts some scales in his eyes. He can't even tell. I mean, it's an amazing encounter. And his life transforms forever. What a risk. Did I do this with my life? After everything that I've worked hard for, all the studying that I did, Paul wasted his whole life studying. But good, God used it for good. Later on when he wrote doctrine for us and all the stuff that we have in the New Testament. But imagine if Paul didn't take a risk, we wouldn't have half of the New Testament today. I mean, my goodness, we could go on and 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 on. Every single person in the Bible. So yesterday I go to a seminar. The bishop of our fellowship, David Barlock, he says so much. But I took something out of his study and I want to share with you today. And I'm, and I'm wrapping this up. That's the second time. One more and then I'm done. <laughs> and he says this. God has given us all some sort of talent. Pastor David said that yesterday. And we must develop that talent and become excellent. Everyone say excellent. That's it's our call, man. We set, the, we set the stage. We serve God in excellence. We serve God in excellence. Do we? We become excellent in whatever we do. So then he says, King David, he gave all he had to build a house for God. All these years, saving up all the gold and the silver, saving up all to prepare a house for the Lord. And then this is what says in in 1 Chronicles 29.2, David, it says, Now with all my ability, I love that, with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God the gold and the things of gold, the silver, the things of silver, the bronze and the iron and the wood and all the things that deal with those things, the onyx, the stones of stones that I can't even pronounce, all kinds of precious stones, alabaster, everything in abundance. I, I've, I've done all of these things to prepare the house of the Lord. And he went deep into that and he says, here's the man who worked all these years, all his life to prepare the house of the Lord and yet he didn't do it. His son does it and then they call it. His son builds it with all his goods. <laughs> he prepares it, he erects it and then they call it Solomon's temple. And he's like, hey, it's all David's stuff. It's Solomon's temple. But David's heart and David's desire was to build a house for God and I love when, when, when Pastor David Barlock said this yesterday, it struck my heart when he says, when David said, now with all my ability, I've done it. All my ability. And that's what David's heart was. Yeah, he messed up and he did some things just like you and I have done and will do. We will mess up and you have messed up. But that doesn't take you away from this, that with all your ability, you could do something for the Lord. Don't think that you have too little to offer. Don't think that. So he went into a couple things and I want to share exactly what he shared yesterday. He says, who am I compared to St. Paul or King David? And then he says this, as he says, and I say to you as well, don't think you have too little to offer. He says, remember the rod in Moses' hand. 
Remember the widow who only had a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. Remember the little boy, the little boy who only had five loaves and two small fish. Remember Sam's, Samson who killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. He says he didn't come out with a machine gun. It was a jawbone of a donkey. He kills a, don't think it's too little. He kills a thousand men. Remember the faith, the size of a mustard seed. Remember that. It grows to be a massive tree. And then he quoted Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 where he says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. What you feel is so small, but don't despise that. God could do great things. You are only responsible to be faithful in what God has given you. Whether it be much or little, you're responsible to give that to the Lord. How many of you can say amen? So here is my last questions to you. Remember, what will you offer? So what will be said of you? What will the generation that precedes that precedes you read of you? I know what I read about David. I know what I read about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Esther, Paul, Mary. You with me? Joseph. I know what I read about them. But I'm wondering this, and I said this to the men's. I'm wondering, as a father now, what my grandkids will say about me and what their grandkids will say about me. Will it be the things of God? What will the impact and the legacy be to the generations that come from you, whether it's physical or spiritual? Will where will, where will they be, the next generation? Where will my son be and his sons and daughters? My daughter and her sons and daughters. Where will they be because of the risk that I take today? Come on, where will those that come from you be? So I, 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 I ask you guys as we wrap this up, spend time this week, especially as you fast, Spend time praying and to say, I'm going to rise up. What will I offer? Well, here's what I'll offer. And maybe you need to confess first. Maybe you need to repent of your sins. I ask you to do that. Repent. Confess your sins. Call me if you have to call me. Let's talk about these things. Humble yourselves. Come honest before the Lord. But then come to the place that as you deny yourself, you pick up the cross, you begin to stir up the gift. You begin to take risks. Come on. Begin to pray to be bold. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says something very important. Check this out. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 26 through 31. He says, For brothers, sisters, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. 
God has chosen the weak. I don't know if I have anything to offer. I don't know if I can offer. I don't know if I, if I have the ability to. Listen, God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of this world, the things which are despised, that God, those are the things that God has chosen and the things which are not, all of this to bring to nothing the things that are. Why does God do these things? Because verse 29 says that no flesh should glory in his own presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Eugene Peterson says, and writes his commentary like this, take a good look, friends. At who you were when you got called into this life. The life that I preach today is not for a pastor. It's for every single one of us. He says, I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks, exploits, abuses? Chose these nobodies, chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. And that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean state, fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have this saying, if you're going to blow a horn, you blow a trumpet for God. And thank you for these verses. God, thank you that Paul wrote them. Thank you, Paul, for being obedient and writing them. Because I can say I am a foolish in this world, unwise, base, and nothing of this world. And that God, you will use me to put to shame the things that are something. But it starts right now with answering that question What can I offer? Where can I begin? Where can I take my first risk? I have a gift, I have something you've given me. I'm going to stir it up and believe believe that you're going to call him to do great things come on close your eyes there amen just meditate on the Lord as we as we're done here just meditate just cry out to him are you willing to answer the call Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? Are you willing to challenge your fears? Not just face them, truly challenge them, bring them into submission. Are you, are you truly ready to take a risk? Where does that begin? Where does it start? I, I, I do not want to ask you guys to come up front and let's pray together. Because I want to be encouraged today when I leave. Because if I tell you guys, come up front, I hope everyone comes up front. And I hope everyone says, I'm ready. So to keep my heart at peace, right there, <laughs> open your heart, the altar of God, open it and say, here I am, Lord. I'm going to start taking the steps. Man, I'm going to call pastor. I'm going to call leadership here. I'm going to come February 6th. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to give new ideas. I'm going to ask if the church wants to do this. I'm willing to head it. I'm willing to start going to the 530 prayers. I'm going to come to the small groups as they start. 
Next month, I'm going I'm I'm to do what I need to do, Lord. I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to serve you in excellence. I'm going I'm to be devoted in this. This is my year. And I'm going to give you all that I am. I'm going to offer it up to you. So church, as we end, what will you offer? Hopefully you came up with the answer. And hopefully the answer is all of me. And I'm going to use my gifts, my talents, all of me for his glory. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violence, Lord, I will be the violent that take it by force. A true, genuine walk with you that will transform lives going forward forever. If that's you today, just come before the Lord. If you want to raise your hand, raise it and, and just say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I heard your word today. Lord, I want to, I'm going to speak on this. Lord, I'm going to take steps forward. But this is the moment. Come on, worship the Lord there for a I'll tell you what, worship the Lord there for two minutes there in your heart. I'm not going to talk for two minutes. Speak to your God. Truly have a moment. have your eyes closed there on February 6th at least within our nest there's so many things that you could offer here there's so many ways that we could touch more people there's things that we already have in place that we can make better from our kids to AV to worship to organization to decorating, to coordinating, to, to praying for our youth leaders, to hype, women, men. There's so many ways in, that we you could get involved already and ways that we're praying for you to get involved. Creative ways and 
ways in which God may be leading you to help lead in this church. To touch more souls with the gospel. To reach more people. And to activate the gifts so that we could grow together in each other's gifts. You know what they are. I pray that you begin to open those things up. Stir those things. And let's have conversation. Come February 6th. See me. See Claudia. If you don't know who she is, say, hey, who's Claudia? Who's Claudia? Who's Claudia? And say, I need to, I need to have a conversation with Pastor if you can't get with me because of whatever reason. And she'll, she'll schedule that between us and whatever it is. But say, I'm going to do what I need to do because this is my time. This is our time. This is our season that God's calling us to. I hope that you could say yes and amen to that. And I pray that we could activate, activate in this church, every single one of us, just be activated. Amen? So Lord, we give this to you. I don't pray that some would come forth. My heart, my, my prayer is bigger. I pray that, and it's a big prayer to pray, but 100% will be activated. 100% be activated to do the things of God, to serve the world, to serve the people of God. So we give this day to you, the word that was spoken, that we would not let it miss aimlessly, stolen, be stolen from us, that it would, that it would stir up in our hearts and that it would produce fruit, this word, this encouragement that was shared, that, that we would know that all of us in here has something to offer. So Lord, we thank you for this time and this moment. Come on, it's in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Right there, yeah, can you just give them some praise real quick?